welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heidland, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. This podcast is born out of our friendship and all that the Lord is doing in our lives. You hear us laugh, you hear us cry, you hear us share very vulnerably, and you hear us talk about the things that we're still learning along the way, and you're most welcome to join us. You can find out all of our information on our podcast episodes on abidingtogetherpodcast.com. But for now, grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast and happy Easter still, friends. Happy Easter. We hope that you um, just enjoyed your time with Mary Magdalene last week because we've got a wonderful woman to talk with you about this week who's going to journey with us, and that is Esther uh, from the book of Esther out of the Old Testament. But before we dive into the story of this woman's life and just her courageous heart and all that she has to teach us, Heather and Michelle, my friends, here we are. It is Easter, Michelle, and how are we today? We are just groovy. We are just so groovy. Yeah. <laughs> moving along. We're on a time frame here, bro. Come on, man. Move it along. Move it along. Party We're groovy, to, yeah. baby. We are groovy, baby. We are good. Got a groovy kind yeah. of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ha- totally have a groovy kind of love. I am all good. Happy. Mm-hmm. Joyful. Here we go. Heather, how are you? I'm so I'm so happy that it's spring. Honestly, like it yeah. was a dark, cold, did I say dark? Dark, dark, dark winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the change in the season, the change in the light, like how bright it is and how long, much longer the days are. Like this is a welcomed change where I am, especially mm-hmm. after so much lockdown and all of that stuff. I am just so delighted that we are in the season we are in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, sister? Mm-hmm. How are you? It is. It is good. It's interesting to notice how much light you have after daylight savings. Do y'all do daylight savings, Heather? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Cause some states in yeah, America we were like, we're not doing that. You know, everybody like complains about it. But <laughs> Yeah, 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 we do it. I know you have some rogue places. We, but well, that's no. what we do. That's how. <laughs> I'm surprised Texas hasn't like vetoed it because, you know. Like, I know. I'm surprised we haven't just made up our own clock. We're just like, look at you people. We'll do what we want. <laughs> you can't tell us what, what to, to do. do. We're Texas. Don't tell us what to do. We're mm-hmm. Texas. <laughs> so funny. Oh, so we have a wonderful just kind of adventure from the book of Esther. And so we're going to talk a bit about Esther and her life and her heart and what she has to just to teach us, to reveal to us. And so Esther, if you've never read the book of Esther, Esther's in the Old Testament and you can find it right after the book of Judith, nestled right there before Maccabees as well. So there she is. And she has just a really beautiful message in this really glorious young woman who uh, finds herself in a very unpredictable and unforeseen circumstance. And it's through her heart, right? Through the intercession, through uh, someone in her life named Mordecai and through her love of God and of the people actually delivers her people. She does something very courageous. So uh, our guiding quote for this time is going to be from the book of Esther, uh, chapter four, verse 14, where Mordecai says to Esther, perhaps you were born for a time such as this. And then I love this quote from Pope Francis that Michelle found that says, the feminine genius is needed wherever we make important decisions. <laughs> and amen to that. Mm-hmm. So um, Michelle, I know for you, Esther is someone near and dear to your heart. So maybe you can kind of kick us off here and talk about who she is to you and kind of what you glean from her in her life. 
Yeah, I love the Book of Esther. I love mm-hmm. everything about this. And one of the things that's really interesting is that God is never named in the Book of Esther. So mm. he's almost like this silent, but yet very present in his silence. He's always working behind the scenes. And I think that is such a foreshadowing of the Lord is in all the details, even when we don't yeah. see it. He mm. makes all things come together for the good. But I love it also. It says, just to give some context to it, it says the Book of Esther is the last historical narrative in the Old Testament. And I said, the Jews are about to enter the 400 silent years where God doesn't speak to his people, where he goes quiet. Mm. And I feel like some of us can feel like that we're, we're having the silent years too. I know a good friend of mine, I was just talking to her last week and she's like, I feel like I'm in the dark night, the silent years, mm. the dark night of soul. But it says the book of Esther shows that while God is not speaking or has spoken, God is still moving. He is all moving, even when we can't perceive his movements. Mm. And it prepares the Jews to look out out for how God is moving in the next 400 years without hearing the words of the prophets. But I think Mm. that's such a beautiful example that God is moving even when we cannot perceive it and even when we don't understand or even we don't feel like we hear his voice or see his movements, he is moving. He is never absent. He is always in the intricate details. And I think for Esther, that the Lord puts her in time, in history to save his people. And that I think, well, I mean, we will touch on this when we discuss this podcast, but that our yeses have ripple effects. The call may be personal, Mm-hmm. But the effect is goes for many and whatever the Lord calls us to do. And in whatever way he is calling us to say yes in our personal fiats, our personal fiats affect other people's fiats. And it is, like I said, a ripple effect. So mm-hmm. Heather, what are your thoughts? Yeah, seemingly this story just unfolds. You know, yeah. like her life just unfolds. Doesn't seem like any like major, it's just like, it's just happening. And then there's this invitation. It's just like one step at a time. You see the unfolding of Esther's story. I'm like, isn't this just our lives too? Like things just unfold and then suddenly find, we find ourselves in a certain situation and and what will we do? And I think for many of us, because it's not like blatant, like, oh my goodness, I'm suddenly a queen in my life. I mean, I try to make everybody call me that, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but are you wearing we a tiara can... right now? Is that no. <laughs> That's why I'm She's wearing it. <laughs> but yeah, like sometimes we can just underestimate God's movement and power because we don't have this crown per se that we can see. And and the reality is that we have all been placed in our life for this particular time. Like we were born at this time for this. There's reasons why. And even though, like you said, Michelle, that we may not perceive where God is, or we may not hear him, or we might not be able to figure out what it's all about, to be able to trust like with hope that God is moving, mm-hmm. that there is a plan and that we are here for a purpose and a reason. And and that's something I think really powerful for us to to unpack and to think about. And I think as women, we often get hit with arrows from the enemy that are like, you don't matter. Your voice doesn't matter. Your life doesn't really matter. Like you're not making a big impact and we can feel like really diminished or we diminish ourselves or other people diminish our value. And the reality is that God has us in this place for a reason, wherever we Mm -hmm. find ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sister, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? 
Oh yes, that's the providence of God and how He works in hidden and quiet ways. And and what what we're going to see one of the most profound things is we're going to see that the Lord seems to just continually choose the little people and the little ways to do great things. And mm-hmm. Esther's very little; she's an orphan. Uh, her parents have have died. And it says um, in chapter two, verse seven, it's talking about Mordecai, who is her cousin. It says he has brought he had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The maiden was beautiful and lovely, and when her father and mother died. Mordecai adopted her as his own daughter. And so you see this man and his masculine genius uh, adopting this young woman um, to take care of her, to be a refuge for her, to protect her and to guide her. And his intercession and his role in her life is going to profoundly change the nation. So you see that the beautiful interplay between the two of them, right? And her call on her life and his call on his life and what he reminds her of and what he speaks to her about and how he calls her to, to stand up and to give the gift of her heart, which we're going to talk about really that quote that's, you know, that for type for you were born for a time such as this. It's really something that's very actually pivotal in the life of, of the Jews. But I was thinking also of how, um, I, I, you know, I love Lord of the Rings. I love that story. And there's that, that beautiful part where, and I think it's Peter Jackson's version. It's not Tolkien's, but where Galadriel, when Frodo is struggling and it's after he gets out of Shalab's lair and he's, he realizes that, you know, he, Sam, he's kicked Sam to the curb and he's all by himself and he barely escapes the, the poison of the spider. And, and he comes out and he, um, he lays on the ground and he just wants to give up. And, and the Galadriel appears to him and she says that this task was given to you, Frodo of the Shire. And if you don't find a way, no one will. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't find a way, no one will. And just thinking of the the tasks that have been given to us, that if we don't find a way, no one will. <laughs> that it's, they're not given to everybody else. That the, the things that mm-hmm. like you both are saying, the fiat that we have to give, it's, it can't be given by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that fiat is given when we're folding the laundry. It's when we're taking kids, whatever, to soccer practice. It's when we're standing in line at the grocery store. It's it's when we have a choice to be horrendously unfaithful and we choose not to in big and small things. You know, it's a, it's those fiats are given to us. Mm-hmm. And if we do not find a way in the, in the grace of Jesus Christ, no one will, right? And so mm-hmm. you just think of, yeah, just think of the reverberations of our yeses and our noes throughout history. It's really shocking because we're so interconnected more than we ever care to admit, I think, or even understand. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that profound reality that our yes has, our yeses and our noes make a profound difference, you know, into... The whole world, around the cosmos, really changes the cosmos. So, so Michelle, do you want to talk a bit about a bit about Esther and that reality that she is an orphan, that her her relationship between she and Mordecai, and then just kind of her whole journey, her purification process, and then how she became a woman influence. I love how you unfold this story for us. I think first of all, like in the, begins in chapter one, where the king's wife refuses to come to him in court. And he is like, I'm banishing her. You know, she told me no. I'm sensing the king has a little ego here in the story, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, just a little. So, but then he ha- puts a call out for all the young virgins or maidens to come forth and that Esther finds favor, her beauty, but mm-hmm. like even her countenance. And I think that's a mm-hmm. huge thing. She finds favor in the eyes of the king, but this favor is something ordained by the Lord. And then it begins a process for her to become queen. He chooses her to become queen. But I think that we need to remind ourselves, Esther wasn't looking. She didn't jockey for this position. She didn't, you know, the Lord appointed her. And it tells us in Revelations, I think it's 3, 7, the Lord can open doors that no man can open. So the Lord has stuff for us. And sometimes, like we talk about this a lot, we could strive 
and try to make things happen? Or do we allow the Holy Spirit to open doors for us and Mm -hmm. abide in his presence? And the Lord can put us in places that we can never even imagine. But Mm -hmm. like what you said earlier, sister, is being faithful in the little everyday moments. And so after she is chosen as queen, she goes through this purification period. Like it's, I think it's almost a year, the -hmm. period is like where they, you know, and for the first six months, they um, almost like detox her with myrrh. And I was researching about this. I had done some research before, but like myrrh gets rid of all bitterness in your system. Come on. Our inflammation, but really it's bitterness. And the context that I was reading is like, especially for women, where have we allowed bitterness to come into our hearts? Mm-hmm. Like you said before, sister, Esther could have a good valid reason for being bitter. You know, she was an orphan, her parents let her. But allowing the Lord to heal that bitterness that are, is in our own heart. And then the second part of the purification process was all these different perfumes and oils that are into her skin. So mm-hmm. like, what is the fragrance that we are offering? Do we have the scent of Christ upon us? Love it. You know, like, do we have that? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, where can we get this day spa here that you do this? Like, you know, six (laughs) months here, six months here. It even says they even prepared their meals for them. I'm like, all about that, you know? Yeah, it's like, I think we all need uh, to go into a year of purification. Seriously. (laughs) And do all that. It's so good. And that sets the stage for her standing up for the Jewish people. Yeah, I'll just let you all take it that the, just the purification process mm-hmm. and the Lord appointing her. Mm-hmm. Heather, what are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I I love that. I lo- I love the whole story. I love the things that you're that you're drawing out, and all of that prepares her for coming into her queenship. And as she's there, you know, she's not aware of all of these big things going on until it's brought to her attention, and she has a decision to make, and she has a decision whether or not to stand up for her people, whether to have boldness and to stand up or not. And I think it's important to notice that, that she does have a decision to make. And we all do like the power of, of our free will that the Lord has given to us. That is a big deal. We have decisions to make. And I think because she was prepared and she has sensitivity there to what's going on, she had sensitivity to her people. She had sensitivity to Mordecai and what was happening. This is a really important part of the feminine genius. As we talked about in our series on the feminine genius, if people haven't listened to that, like that might be good to go back and listen to. But sensitivity is one of the parts of the feminine genius. And you see here that Esther has that and that she is allowing that part of her femininity to move her into action. And, and into boldness and into taking a stand. And it's, it's incredibly beautiful and strong, but not overpowering. You know, like she doesn't power her way through things. Like she goes to the king, she requests like, and, and really speaks her heart about the whole matter, which I just love that, that she's, she's fully a woman. Mm-hmm. She is living into who she is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you, you see the purification process of what it, what it prepares her for and of how the king, he, he just loses his heart to her. She's just so mm-hmm. lovely. And, and like you both are saying, she's lovely, obviously physically it describes that she's physically beautiful, but her countenance is lovely. She's just lovely. And he, of all the women, of all the women in the kingdom, it's almost like Cinderella, you know, she, mm-hmm. she wins his favor. Oh, and, he's just totally taken with her. He's like, whatever you want, Esther, you just tell me whatever you want, girl. <laughs> it's your, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> Go get a day spa. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, sister. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's so true. Because what's happening in that time is one of the the king's men, Haman, is plotting against the Jews because Mordecai will not bow to Haman. And and Haman is incensed by that and decides to eradicate the Jews from that. And Mordecai gets wind of this plot to destroy the Jews, which this edict has already gone out. The king is really largely unaware of what's happening because 
Esther hasn't revealed that she is Jewish. And so Mordecai goes to her. That's when Mordecai goes to her and says, you know, hey, this, here's this plot. You have, you have to go to the king now. You have to help rescue us now. And so Mordecai is going to tell her that. And she, and she, you talk about the beautiful sensitivity of knowing who she is, knowing her role, and also saying, also stating the, the truth of, of nobody can go to the king unbidden. Anybody mm-hmm. who goes to the king unbidden, if he doesn't you know, extend his golden scepter upon you, is immediately put to death. And she's like, mm-hmm. I haven't been summoned to the king for 30 days. And it's just, it's just like stating what's happening. And I love it because that's when Mordecai looks at her and you know, they have that relationship where he's saying, you know, you, you can go ahead and stay silent, but God's going to deliver his, his people. He's going to deliver the Jews another way. So how he does that is up to you. But if you do not, you and your people will perish. God will deliver us. But how do you, how can you not say that it wasn't for a time such as this, that God gave you this favor, that here you are for a time such as this. And you see like, that's a that's a very weighty thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's not just something mm-hmm. nice for a coffee mug. I mean, that is mm-hmm. really a huge thing because like you're saying, Heather, she has a choice and she could stay silent. And how many of us in our life, my dear sisters, how many of us in our life, and when we talk about speaking the truth in love and doing courageous things, how many of us in our life have those decisions where we know the Holy Spirit is asking us to say something or we know that as the Holy Spirit is asking us to do something or not do something. And all of us have that decision and how and it feels like death. Like if I do this, this feels like death or this really, I could lose a friendship over this. And we're talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, we're talking about good and healthy things, you know, things that are the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Gosh, isn't that hard? Mm-hmm. That is just, that is just so hard. And she decides that she is going to plead to the Lord and surrender her life if needed to do what is being asked of her. And her first action is to go. And she says, get everybody to pray and fast for me. And her first action is to go and and bow down before the Lord and start praying, which is amen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is our first, that has to be our first action is to go before the Lord and start praying on her, on her face, just lay down and on her face and just be like, Lord, you have to help us. Like, this is above my pay grade. I can't do this. I need you mm-hmm. to help me with the words I'm going to say. I need your grace. Like I need your help and I need it right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's important that that we notice she's very aware of this decision. And this is like, I think for, for many of us, we get lost in too many battles, battles that aren't supposed to be ours, you know, mm, like point. we're just looking in too many places. She's being led by the Holy Spirit here and she's surrounding it with prayer. And I think that that's something that we need to to just reflect mm-hmm. upon in our own life. Like, have I entered into battles or am I entering into battles that are not mine to fight? You know, that oh, so true. I, I'm not here for a such time as this, like right here, like it's, it's actually over here. Like, you know, so <laughs> I think we need to be discerning because right now there's a lot of battles to fight. And if we fight them all, we're going to find ourselves, you know, depleted, probably angry and, and, and not able to do what we're, what we're actually called to do. So I think there's a discernment there for all of us that I think we need to be very careful of, especially now, like there's just so many things that we could get in a battle about, but what is the Lord calling us to individually? Mm-hmm. Where does he have us mm-hmm. for such a time as this? Mm, mm-hmm. I agree. And I think Heather, like that's such a great point. Like yes. what is the battle for us to call? Like where is the Lord inviting us and where is he mm-hmm. saying yes? And do we approach it with prayer? Like, do we approach it with prayer? And is the Lord calling us to wield our influence? Are we just wanting to allow ourselves to be heard? Or mm-hmm. we just want to put our two cents in and give our opinion, but it doesn't have the weight of the Lord's presence or glory in that opinion. Like he's not inviting mm-hmm. us to speak into that. Or he's basically, it's none of your business. So get out of it, you know, and be about the Lord's business. And that mm-hmm. her first response and what Mordecai says, don't think 
if you say no, that you or your family will be saved, yep. that there is, mm-hmm. there are consequences for our no's. Yes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've mentioned it before, but one of my spiritual director's favorite lines to me is, Michelle, delayed obedience is disobedience, girl, <laughs> like delayed mm-hmm. obedience. So where is the Lord calling us to That's be so obedient? Good. You know, he is calling us to be obedient. And it says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's a love relationship with the Lord. So he's, I mean, it still blows my mind that the Lord has to work with us and through us to bring his kingdom come. <laughs> like he could have chosen yeah. other ways, mm-hmm. but he wants to partner mm-hmm. with us to bring his kingdom here on earth. He wants to partner mm-hmm. that we get to co-labor with him. It it does. It really still blows my mind. And then I feel bad for him. Like, we're what you got to work with. I'm so sorry. But that is it. But it has consequences. Our yeses have consequences and our noes have consequences. And so what is it? And to realize when the Lord invites us into mission with him, which he does each and every one of us through our baptismal call, through relationship with him, that we have to approach it with holy reverence with holy reverence and it's a holy invitation to come with him to bring his kingdom. The fact that she fasted and prayed and called forth a fast really means that she aligned herself to the Lord's heart. Like she got right with the Lord where it was like she could see where the Lord's hand was and that she really was approaching, like really going to heaven to see, all right, how is heaven going to move and allow him to move through her, which is a powerful thing, I think, especially for us as women, especially mm-hmm. as culture is changing and things are changing. And yes, we can say it's a dumpster fire, but or we can say, where is the Lord calling us to till and cultivate culture right now? And it's through often it is through action. It is through action, but it's prayer and fasting. What do we do before mm-hmm. we act? Mm-hmm. Are we fully aligned with God's purpose in this? Mm-hmm. And I think it's also interesting to notice in all of that, that the Lord delivers the the nation uh, through a woman mm-hmm. and her feminine genius, what was needed. And I remember Heather, you were sharing with us some time ago about a situation that happened, I think with your builders. And I mean, it was something that you had to tend to as a woman, like that just that you made some, would you make uh, not biscuits, but you made um, scones uh-huh. scones and coffee. And I'm like, Oh girl, that's so good. And I was just thinking of how Mordecai could have arranged to have an audience with the King. And he could have said the same thing mm-hmm. that, Esther did, but because the king did not have a relationship with Mordecai the way he loved Esther, the way he could hear her heart, the way her feminine heart revealed the truth of what was happening, it wouldn't have been received in the same way. And so when we talk about the feminine genius and like John Paul II says, you know, women go into whatever you want to go to as a professional, but go in as a woman, Mm -hmm. go in as a woman that the reality of the feminine genius, that there are certain things of certain characteristics that women have and certain characteristics that men have that are very suited for certain situations. And you can just see that because the King, you can, you can just see the providence of it all. You can see the whole providence unfolding because the King loved her so much in the way he did. He took her plea and her accusation against Haman and he, took it to be true. And he took it very seriously and he wasn't put off by it. He wasn't, you know, didn't wound his ego. It didn't wound his vanity. It actually wounded his love for her because he loved her so much. He didn't want anything to come in the way of her destruction. Oh my goodness. You know, he, he didn't want anything to destroy her. And so I just was thinking of just the beauty of that, of, of how the Lord just does that at times. Like there are just certain situations where a certain person's heart is only opened by another person. And that gift of feminine genius just steps right in there and just completely un, not unnerving, but the word I'm looking for, just disarming, my bad, disarming. Yeah. It is like disarming. Yeah. Mm. The disarm the king and could respond appropriately 
and the salvation came through that. I just, I love it. It's just so yeah, stunning. It's beautiful. I think when we look at scripture, you know, we have to remember that these are real people mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and they're very similar to us. So if we look at Esther and she was an orphan and, you know, this is her story and I'm sure that she was aware of the lies that the enemy was spinning in her life. And what does he do? Like he, you know, it's like God is writing this beautiful symphony over our whole life, this beautiful song that he's singing over our whole life. And it's sort of like the enemy too Mm. is singing a song over our life, but it's like this out of tune version of the song that he's singing over our life. And, and we listen to one or the other. And I think often we listen to the enemy's song because it's like kind of right, almost right. Like there's something about it that's like familiar to us, but he's twisting. And so if Esther had just like continued to listen to the enemy's lies, like in that moment, she might've been like, who am I? Like, I'm an orphan. Like I'm not even you know capable of doing this. Like nobody wanted me, like whatever might've been going through her mind and she could have given into all of that and just said, no, I can't, I can't do this. And I think that that, that rings true for a lot of us is that we think about our story. We think about certain moments that we're in and we're like, I, I can't do this. Like I'm nobody. I don't have the skills. Like I don't. And, and the enemy's like out of tune song is like playing really loudly in our ears. And I think for us to be able to notice the difference between the two and Esther clearly was like listening to this beautiful song, even if it's like not, she didn't know that consciously, she's listening to like how God is moving her. She's prompted by that. Perhaps you were born for such a time as this, Esther. And for her, she would have to believe that and go, yeah, maybe I am, you know, and what what do I do with this? And so I think there's like this beautiful openness that no matter what her story is, that she embraces what God can do with her story, despite everything that might've happened in her past. I think that's very hopeful for all of us. And to just notice like where are maybe the places that the enemy is like singing this out of tune song that I'm maybe listening to that too much and I'm diminishing my role where I am. Like maybe I'm a stay at home mom or maybe I'm just a student. I think we've put that word in front of things. I'm just this, I'm Mm. just this as if it doesn't matter. I'm like, God knows exactly where you are. He knows who you are and, and he has a plan for Mm. you. And so I, I just hope that, yeah, maybe we can all just tune in to the symphony that God is writing. And what is the song that he's singing over us? And why are we here for such a time as this? Which is so, yes, so important for such a time as this, I think, in culture and in history. I think this is the call that is going on right now. It's like the clarion call for us. And I love what Pope Francis says. He said, a woman brings a richness that man and all of creation and the animals do not have. Where there is no women, harmony is lacking. Like, so that beautiful song, harmony is lacking. So what does it sound like? Without women, there is no harmony, Pope Francis says. And so what does a chorus of women sound like? Like, what is an unleashing of a chorus of women that the Lord can trust with influence, with bringing forth life, not manipulation, not own agendas, but to bring Mm -hmm. forth life in its purest and truest and good and beautiful form, a chorus in a harmony sound like? It is life-changing. And I have to think like there's some similarities in the Old Testament with Joseph and Daniel and Esther, that the Lord used them in culture, in government to change the world, to bring forth his purpose and call. Each of them had to go through a purification process. Mm. 
<laughs> and trials before they got there, but he used them. And so like, I think what you said, Heather, he uses you right where you are, mm-hmm. right where you are is fertile, holy ground, right where you are is where that purification process is happening. But right where you are is where your influence is. And don't belittle mm-hmm. your influence. Say yes to where your influence is right now, and the Lord will increase. Mm. You know, kingdom obedience brings kingdom abundance. Mm, Be, you know, say yes right where you are and watch him multiply with our loaves and fishes. Just watch him multiply. Different Bible story, mm-hmm. but watch him multiply. Yeah. Some people I feel like literally need to write that down on a sticky note and stick it on their bathroom mirror. Where you are is where your influence mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. You are the queen of your place. Mm-hmm. Like God has anointed you. You are the queen of your domain of where you are. And I think some of us surrender that and we shouldn't. Go ahead, sister. Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to, just to, tie up what you guys are saying, because I think it's so beautiful of, of, yeah, where, where are you being called and where is the influence that the Lord has given you and your feminine voice, especially as women, uh, where is the Lord calling us to use that, to bring about his great works, to bring about his, not her own plan, to bring about his great works, to speak his life, to speak his blessing. Where, where's the battle that we're, he's calling us to? And are there battles we're not supposed to be fighting that we are? I think one of the great hallmark tales of battles we're not supposed to be fighting is our own bitterness and resentment. Mm-hmm. Usually those are telltale signs of, I find a battle that either needs to be transformed in my own heart or I'm, I'm someplace where I'm not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, So where is the purification process in our life of the Lord transforming our bitterness, you know, and allowing it to become the sweetness of his heart, of his lamentation, like we've talked about in so many different podcasts, or just where he wants to rectify, where he wants to reorder our loves. And then where is he calling us to give our yes? For a time such as this, in the very place that we are, that we don't have to seek it out or go look in somebody else's vineyard. It's in our own. It's on our own. So where is he? Mm. Yeah, especially in this Easter season, where is he calling us to speak life in the place we are planted? Amen, girl. Amen. So good. Mm-hmm. So go Esther. We love her. Mm-hmm. She's great. She's great. <laughs> so good. Oh, dear sisters, Michelle, what is your one thing for the week, friend? My one thing is a shout out to one of our good friend's daughters, Magdalene Kine. <gasps> oh, she's so lovely. So Magdalena. And Magdalena, Woo! is that how you say it? Because she wrote me a beautiful mm-hmm. letter. And mm-hmm. I've never met her. I know Mary, her mother, but I've never met her in person. And she wrote me the most beautiful note. And then she made the most beautiful pieces of artwork about my word of the year, Lorian. And she oh. cut out a page from Lord of the Rings and drew this beautiful, like did this artistic background and then pasted the page from the book on the front. And then on the back, she did all this research and how Gladriel and Lorian and all these just different symbolic things and quotes from Lord of the Rings, the different, I mean, it was just, and the gift mm. I received, it was FedExed, didn't know it was coming and the timing of it, the Holy Spirit was doing such beautiful and deep things and speaking so deeply. And I was almost like, Lord, just asking him, like, is this you, you know, and just doubting and thinking and wrestling. And it's like, is this all you? And then my, literally my doorbell rang and a FedEx package was there. And there was this package. I was like, <laughs> Jesus was standing there. He's like, um, yes, yes, it's Michelle. me. Yeah. He had the rose and everything. No, just kidding. Like the bachelor. And so, but I was just like, okay, Lord, like, I just love the God surprises. And I love people's obedience when they say yes to allow the Lord to surprise them. So thank you so much. You are totally my one thing. Yeah. And as we were saying, you know, we can throw that word just like Magdalene is just a yeah. kid, just a young mm-hmm. person, you yeah. know, not so, not so. The Lord is using her in big yeah, ways. Absolutely. 
Um, sister, what is your mm-hmm. one thing? Oh, my one thing. Y'all know I love a good candle. And mm. uh, I found a couple. I was at like one of those discount department stores. And I found a couple candles from Woodwick that had the wooden wick literally in them. And they crackle oh. like a fireplace. And so <gasps> I I love them. It's just something so nice. Not only is it a nice scent. They have so many different scents. But they have like the nice, the you know, the glow from the candle. But it actually sounds like a fire. Actually, one, I've one never of our pre- heard that. One of our previous recordings, I had it lit. And it was so loud. I was like, sorry, but I had to blow it out. <laughs> You're like, dang, what are you guys building a campfire in your office there? What are the sisters so, doing over there? <laughs> so I, 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 I would check She's them out. She's making s'mores in the middle Seriously. of the podcast. Do you let a fire in something? So I, I don't know. I'm just enjoying my woodwick candles. I love all the senses. You know, just let's just get them all. Like, let's listen. Let's see. Let's smell. Let's, let's just get them all. Pretty soon, like, I'm just going to start touching the glass just to get the sensory version of that. So, oh, so that's great. it. Heather? Um, my one thing is just the people in our diocese and our archdiocese that are working in the offices down there. I just have some dear friends working away and I'm just so grateful for them, you know, and just this topic we're talking about for such a time as this. And they are they are in the trenches, you know, doing the hard work and laboring and not everybody notices all the good work that they're doing. And I'm just so incredibly grateful and the proclaim movement that's rising up here and different things. I'm just so proud of them and for all the laboring that they're doing for for the people of God here in Vancouver. So, Yay. That's my one thing. Mm-hmm. Yay peeps. Mm-hmm. Yay peeps. Well, dear friends, here you are for a time such as this. And we pray the Lord speaks very deeply to you about your place, uh, your beautiful voice and what he's calling to do through you, where he's calling you to speak life. So thank you so much for joining us this week. And next week we will be, um, I don't know. Let me just say that again. Until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one thing, transcripts, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of its content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Abiding Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content to you. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through a website called Patreon, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a tribe member and you will receive monthly individual videos from Michelle, Heather, and I, as well as other exclusive content, recipes, playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information about Patreon at patreon.com forward slash abiding together. Thank you and God bless you.